Welcome to the Moving Markets podcast on Wednesday, the 6th of September, with me, Bernadette Anderko. I'm delighted to announce that it's our 300th episode today, so thank you for joining us. We've got lots of news to catch up on. Roman Canciani is going to fill us in on the main stories in the financial markets shortly. And I'm also joined by Dario Messi from our Fixed Income Research Department on the show today. We've got the September European Central Bank meeting coming up next week. Are we at peak rates? Will the ECB pause? Well, Dario is going to fill us in on some of the background and our expectations at this stage. But for now, though, let's crack on with what's been moving markets overnight with Roman. Good morning, Roman. Good morning, Bernadette. So, Roman, September statistically is the worst month of the year for US equities, according to Jeffrey Hirsch, the editor of the Stock Trader Almanac. Uh, U.S. traders returned from their summer breaks uh, yesterday after Monday's uh, Labor Day, and markets did indeed seem to be a bit jittery yesterday. Is that right? Absolutely. Well, there was a lot of news for the markets to digest yesterday. But the most worrying at the moment, according to strategists, is the rising price of oil, which is reigniting inflation fears in the developed world and pushing yields higher. Oil rises because both Saudi Arabia and Russia have pledged to extend their supply cuts until the end of the year, sending WTI and Brent crude up by around $1 to their highest level since November. So despite uh, two Fed speakers, Loretta Mester and Christopher Waller, saying that interest rates are about right where they are, yields rose across the curve with the 10-year US Treasury yielding about eight base points higher on the day and trading at 4.24 this morning. The rise in yields uh, was also helped by a flurry of new supply of US dollar-denominated corporate debt, with investors seemingly demanding higher yields before signing their tickets. Indeed, that sounds like a pretty complicated setup for markets with yields and oil both higher. So how did the stock markets absorb this? Well, yes, stock markets fell across the board yesterday. The pan-European stock 600 closed down 0.2% as economic data for the region was mixed. On the one hand, Eurozone producer prices fell 7.6% year-on-year in July. But on the other hand, the S&P Purchasing Managers Index showed that business activity fell at the fastest pace in almost three years in August. And in the US, All the major indices fell, albeit on a very light volume. The S&P 500 closed down 0.4%, with only three of its 11 sectors posting a positive performance on the day. Notably, energy, as expected with the rally of the oil price, tech and uh, telecom. The laggards were industrials and materials, the more cyclically biased sectors. Okay, so that looks like a bit of a flight to quality day then. So how did you, the US dollar and gold do? Were they able to profit from yesterday's trading sentiment? Yes and no. The US dollar's recent rally continued yesterday with the greenback hitting its highest level since March on the narrative that the US dollar's yield advantage over its major rivals will last longer than expected just a few weeks ago. Incidentally, this prompted Japan's top currency official Masato Kanda to say that he wouldn't rule out any options if the currency moves continued, which must be taken as a strong warning to the markets that the Bank of Japan is prepared to intervene and prop up its currency against the greenback. Gold, meanwhile, somewhat counterintuitively when talking about a growing safe haven sentiment, declined quite strongly yesterday and is trading at 1,925 US dollars per ounce this morning. Okay, it'll be interesting to see where that heads today then. 
Um, right. I think we should also quickly mention this highly anticipated IPO of Arm. Yes, absolutely. SoftBank Group's Arm Holdings, uh, which develops and manufactures semiconductor technology and other related products, wrote in a filing with the US Securities and Exchange Commission yesterday that it plans to offer about 95.5 million American depository shares at between 47 and 51 US dollars per share. This is about half the size of the IPO originally expected. So this is a slight disappointment uh, for the markets. Okay, so we've had a lot now from the US. I guess we should look now at what's been going on in Asia this morning. Absolutely. Asian equities are broadly mixed this morning with Japan leading the way up for the eighth day in a row, having just closed uh, ups 0.65%. Uh, otherwise, uh, both Hong Kong and China onshore are trading around flattish, although Chinese property developers are trading sharply higher on speculation of more stimulus in China. Elsewhere, Chile's central bank is in the news. It has cut its benchmark interest rates uh, by a further 75 basis points and signaled that inflation there is likely to allow the central bank to cut further in the coming month. That's good news for the markets there, I guess. Now, looking forward to today, what's in store for investors? Well, in uh, Europe, we already had July German factory orders uh, at an extreme minus 11.7% month on month. Expected was a minus of uh, 4.3. So the bad economic news out of the Eurozone industrial powerhouse continue to come in thick and strong. Later on, July retail sales for the Eurozone, which will be released at 11 uh, a.m., will be of most interest here in Europe. Uh, later in the U.S., we have the ISM services indices shedding some light on inflation, employment and new orders in August, but only at four o'clock this afternoon Swiss time. Uh, and perhaps a quick look at the futures board for the U.S. Open. Currently, the expectation is for a flat start to trading there. That's it from me. Thanks very much for the update, Roman, and great to have you on the show today. Thanks for having me, Bernadette. Now, I mentioned earlier that the uh, next ECB decision is only a week away, uh, an interesting and highly anticipated policy meeting therefore approaching us. And we got the minutes of the July policy meeting last week. Um, so now I'm delighted to have uh, Dario Messi on the show to tell us about whether there are any hidden hints there on what to expect. Good morning, Dario. Good morning, Bernadette. Yeah. Generally, uh, there was very little guidance uh, on what we read out of these uh, minutes that you just mentioned and what the next uh, steps will be. Um, we discussed it already post-meeting and the minutes do not really reveal anything outside the assessment back then. The, the ECB council members, uh, similar also to other developed markets, monetary policymakers simply don't want to, to commit at this point. Uh, what we certainly read out of the minutes, though, is uh, a long discussion on the growth dynamics. And um, the ECB definitely acknowledges this weakening growth dynamics uh, we are seeing in the Eurozone. And when you think of the policy framework of the ECB, so the decision framework uh, has like three pillars. Um, it's about the incoming data, so about what is current inflation actually doing. Um, then about inflation projections. So the focus uh, will here certainly be also on, on September. How does the weakening growth outlook and the consequent lower aggregate demand then translate into the stuff's inflation projections for the next uh, years? 
And finally, it's about the policy transmission. So the credit dynamics, and there we see this sharp slowdown. Rates are basically doing the intended job and really bring down uh, these credit dynamics. So uh, you mentioned that one important pillar is uh, incoming data, Dario. Roman already mentioned these uh, German factory orders that came in much worse than expected this morning. But uh, Eurozone inflation is obviously a key indicator for the ECB too. And we got some indication on that with last week's data for the Eurozone. What does it therefore look like in your opinion? Is it slowing enough for the ECB to pause next week? Yeah, it's a tricky question. I mean, generally, it's, if you just look at the data, it's still way too high. Core uh, is slowly coming down, but still very sticky and too high. So the first estimates that we got last week uh, was 5.3% core inflation for the region in August, which is uh, only marginally lower than the 5.5% we got the months before. Um, also, if you look at headline inflation there, this one includes the more volatile elements. Uh, this one is even flat stock at this 5.3%. Um, also, given the energy component, which is not contributing anymore to this kind of sharp disinflation. Um, you, you also heard it uh, before from Roman. He talked about it, that uh, it's probably also not something um, that will be kind of a tailwind going forward in the next uh, few readings. Um, so overall, if we think again of these three pillars, so actually inflation, which is which I naturally would assume to be to have a big weight in the currency policy setting behavior, is, is still not a target. So it's definitely a super close call for the next week. Um, we have no further rate hike in in our books, um, which we think is warranted, uh, taking into account the credit dynamics and the diverging cyclical picture also in Europe uh, with quite bleak survey-based data. But as I just said before, the current inflation picture certainly leaves the room or risk open uh, still for another 25 basis points. Okay. If we look at it now from an investment perspective, are there any conclusions to be drawn here, Dario? Yeah. I mean, we we start seeing more value in duration exposure than with the euro curve. Uh, the cyclical backdrop remains uh, much more robust in the U.S., uh, but we see more indication of some weaker spots in the eurozone, and basically this means this tightening of financial conditions translates quicker into lower aggregate demand, uh, as also intended by the ECB. And also, if we consider the move in yields that we saw since the start of the second half of uh, 23, we see duration exposure in euro becoming more attractive, closing uh, the gap that we have uh, to the US dollar where um, we also have fiscal considerations now that are uh, further complicating the story. Thank you very much for those insights, Dario. It's always good to have you on the show. Thanks, Bernadette, for having me. Well, that's it for today's podcast. I'd like to thank my guests for contributing and, of course, you for listening. Please join us again tomorrow when Helen Freer will be here with our commodity update and the latest thoughts from our investment committee. Meanwhile, good luck today and goodbye for now. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliasbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information. Beyond Markets is a weekly podcast where Julius Bear experts and external speakers discuss some of the latest market developments. 
They share their key research and insights on today's ever-changing economic landscape and present practical advice. Search for Beyond Markets on your favourite podcast player.